Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am your host, Gary Gramling. We have reached part three, the uh, trilogy of the Mock Draft Show, though it's it's going to be more because we're, we're going to do all the teams and, well, at least all the first-round picks. But this is a jam-packed show, and, and in just a moment, I'm going to introduce our special guest for this week. You'll never believe who it is. But uh, this is a jam-packed show. We are going to do 13 picks on this show because we are doing basically eight new teams and their team needs on each show and uh and then we have five repeat teams five teams that have like a second first round pick uh coming up in this one so uh 13 picks eight new teams five you uh will have already heard before but uh let me bring in our incredibly special guest we are fortunate to have him again uh andy benoit andy how are you i'm very well you know what i just thought of because we were talking right before we recorded about Tiger King and have you watched it and I, I admit to watching it and you haven't yet and you asked if you mm-hmm. should I think when the pandemic first started and we were all first at home it felt okay completely okay to watch it even though it's a big pile of trash I mean it's it's, not, it's well done but it's about trashy people doing trashy things and a trashy industry 
but it, you didn't feel like you were watching trash because the novelty of being home is like, well, that's all we do. And that's all we can do is watch Netflix. Everything's okay. We're all doing this at the same time. I don't know if it would feel the same way now. You might feel like you're watching trash now that we've all gotten a little bit used to the rhythm of this stay-at-home life for right now. Well, I feel, and it was completely impossible to avoid spoilers and, and all that stuff if you're just on Twitter, which I, I would not be if it were up to me, but I have to be for work. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I feel like I know the whole story. I know everything that went on and uh, I, I don't feel the need to watch it now. Yeah, you're probably, the very first line in the show is a, a guy says, the, he said, these big cat people are just backstabbing pieces of bleep. And after the show was done, I realized that the whole show had been given away in that first line. It was just, yeah. that was a micro, I summed it all up right away. And by the way, I knew you were going to say that line because I, I saw tweeted your tweet. It. Yeah, I did. I did. That's the only thing I've tweeted that's not football related <laughs> in quite a while. It's not worth right. it. Yeah. But here, and I assume people want to hear us talk football because that's why they're listening. Yes. So we probably better get off Tiger King. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they do the, uh, well, I did that show once, so I shouldn't say they. It's it's a we, I guess. But uh, on the Friday show, they do some of the uh, uh, what we're watching type of stuff. But we have picks to go through. Like I said, 13 picks on this show, a, uh, a record of some kind. Well, a record in this series this year. Uh, 17. We are at 17 Dallas. Let me run through the top 16 real quick. And, uh, you know, as we mentioned on the past shows, we are not doing trade ups. We are basing this heavily on team needs. So, uh, and, I, and, I mean, and, I don't on, know. On these guys, say their position too, because that'll save us a lot of trouble when I start trying to repeat positions for some of these guys, like when we get to Miami for the 20th time in this draft. Okay, so I'm I'm freshening this for Andy as well. But uh, uh, Cincinnati takes Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. Uh, Washington, Chase Young, the edge rusher from Ohio State. Detroit takes Jeffrey Okuda, uh, Ohio State cornerback. Uh, Giants take Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle from Alabama. Miami takes Makai Becton, offensive tackle from Louisville. The Chargers take Isaiah Simmons, linebacker, dude-all guy from Clemson. Carolina takes Tristan Wirfs, uh, offensive tackle, maybe offensive guard from Iowa. Uh, Arizona takes Calavon Chasen, the edge guy from LSU. Uh, Jacksonville took Jerry Judy, the Alabama receiver. Cleveland took Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle from Georgia. At 11, the Jets took Henry Ruggs, the third Alabama receiver, Las Vegas Raiders take CeeDee Lamb, Oklahoma receiver at 12. At 13, we gave the 49ers, we, we slightly uh, moved away from the from the need stuff. We gave him Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn, who probably will not be around at 13. Uh, 14, at, we gave Tampa Bay, Austin Jackson, the USC offensive tackle. At 15, Denver takes Justin Jefferson, LSU receiver. And at 16, Atlanta takes CJ Henderson, Florida cornerback, we're at Dallas. What does Dallas need, Andy? Well, Dallas could use a slot receiver on offense. I don't know if they have a whole lot of other needs offensively, and I think one thing to keep in mind is it's it's possible they could make Amari Cooper their slot receiver. He would he'd be their every down yeah. receiver, but in three receiver sets, you move him inside. I think he's mm-hmm. better in the slot. You get him off that press coverage where he's at his most effective. So if that's the case, then they could theoretically take the best wide receiver on the board, a guy that plays inside or outside, knowing that Cooper can play inside or outside. If they want to go defense, and they need to keep their eye on that defense because it's a lot of guys they have not been able to re-sign and might have trouble re-signing in future years. Uh, cornerback's a position that has, that's been thinned with Byron Jones gone. I imagine Chidobe Awuze will get a long-term contract when, when they're ready to do that. Maybe Jordan Lewis will as well. 
and Anthony Brown's the other corner. That's not a bad cornerback group, but you can't count on having all three of those guys for the next couple years. Brown's under contract, but Awuzie and, J- and Jordan Lewis, are, are they're going to have to be re-signed. So maybe some cornerback depth there if there's a corner that they love. Could also look at safety. They did just add Ha Ha Clinton Dick, so. Yeah, the, the cornerback group, I mean, look, Okuda's number one in that cornerback group, and then I think you have a bunch of guys who are mid to late first round to early day two type guys, but uh, Jalen Johnson from Utah and uh, Jeff Gladney, uh, Johnson's a man-to-man guy, Gladney is a uh, uh, so, sort of an undersized, but I, I would call him feisty, of course, I said DeAndre Baker last year was undersized and feisty, and he didn't work out too well uh, for the Giants, year yeah, one, give him, he, give he can improve, time. give him some he time, he can improve, yeah. I was just, I was such a big DeAndre Baker fan, and well, just just watching him get fried last year was was uh, upsetting to me. And totally fair. But here's the other part that y- the stuff you don't see is when he's getting his job done and the ball doesn't go near him because he got the job done. So yeah. there were a lot of play- cases where Baker showed that first round talent. I think he's a lot better than he than he had a very extreme rookie season. So I hear what you're yes. saying, but I think you could still be proven right on how you felt about DeAndre Baker last year. The uh, to me the best defensive players uh, on the board in our exercise here at this point are Xavier McKinney, the Alabama safety, who who uh, uh, I think you could you can definitely play him in the slot, you can definitely play him in the box. I think you could probably uh, uh, you know he's he's probably going to be a sub package linebacker type guy. I, I think he maybe could play a little bit of single high if if you had to. Uh, he can do a lot of different things. And uh, uh, Javon Kinlaw, the South Carolina. Uh, interior defensive lineman, very disruptive. Uh, so pretty good options here for the Cowboys. And uh, I w- I'd love to know what they feel about Tristan Hill, their second-round pick last year, defensive tackle. He did not have a good rookie season. He didn't play a whole lot. Antoine Woods, to me, is a quality starting nose shade. And then they signed on Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy, veteran defensive tackle. So they are set there for this year at that position. But... You know, this Kinlaw guy, you hear a lot of really good things about, and it never hurts to have a long-term answer along the defensive line. And they did get thinner there. Now, do you think, could could Kinlaw theoretically, I think I know the answer to this, but you're kind of the college guy here. Is it possible he could slide to defensive end on base downs and be a, a plus-sized, or is he purely an NFL defensive tackle, you think? That's interesting. I I think you could do that with him. I think he's athletic enough to do that. I mean, it's it's a little bit tricky. I mean, he, look, he's like a 315-pound dude. He, he'd, he'd look a little bit different out there, uh, so I don't know how much confidence I say that with, but uh, certainly, a, certainly a highly athletic guy, uh, I you know, built for the inside, but you could probably in a pinch slide him to the outside and on, uh, on early downs. It, we're still talking about long-term investments here because he's not a pure pass rusher. And if Dallas did want to, to invest in their D-line on a defensive end spot, they'd probably want a pure pass rushing guy. Alden Smith, they're taking a gamble on. Randy Gregory's mm-hmm. been a gamble for the same reason Smith is to some degree. So they probably feel okay about where they are right now with their D-line. And what we do know about Dallas is... For the last several years, I think they've played to win in the here and now, as they probably should. They're a very talented roster. So I would probably say best player available, Gary, between wide receiver and defensive back with the edge leaning towards wide receiver there. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, Oh, boy. I'm not crazy about the – I think all the receivers left on the board are – 
to me, are day two guys. Let's look at the defensive backs real quick. Do you want the versatile safety uh, who could certainly come down and, and, and cover the slot as a uh, defensive back, or do you want sort of the, uh, the more natural outside guy here? Well, they, they kind of have that sort of safety already in Xavier Woods. Now, I don't know if they see Woods as a pure slot guy if they had to do that, and they don't have a whole lot of depth at safety, so maybe you do say versatile safety. What is Clinton Dix's contract? I'm guessing he signed for one year. That, that's yeah, kind of the I kind think of that veteran was a one-year deal. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I mean, if there's a safety they love, I think you could do that. It'd be nice if that guy could have cornerback potential, just like they had in Byron Jones, a converted safety who became an elite corner for him. Let's uh, let me go back on my word. Let, let's let's give him uh, let's give him Jalen Johnson here. Let's give him the the guy who can definitely play the outside uh, as a cornerback here, and and you get something of a uh, you know replenish that depth chart with Byron Jones going. And like you said, they got some decisions to make on guys next season. So okay. That's an answer for him. Jalen Johnson, the Utah corner to Dallas. That brings us. We're gonna have three repeat teams here. We got Miami at eighteen and. Uh, no, we, we have quarterbacks on the board. Who are the quarterbacks left on the board? Tua, Justin Herbert, and then you you know uh, Jordan Love, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, Jalen Hurts are your sort of to me day two guys. And and so in real life, these guys are probably off the board by this point. Correct. Yeah. Figure? Yeah. But for the purposes of team needs and everything. Um, I guess we could give Miami the quarterback. That that would be me finally admitting that the Josh Rosen project has not worked out. I still don't think that they've had a that Rosen has gotten a fair shake at things. But there's no doubt that Fitzpatrick was better last year than Rosen was, and I mean it was it was very obvious. So if there's a QB they love here, I guess you give them the best QB, which would be the QB that Gary Grambling likes most. What Tua? Is that who you like most? Let's left on the board. Oh, I thought you were like TME for for the guy who you knew I liked most. I, I I'm not crazy about uh, any of the quarterbacks after Joe Burrow in this draft. Uh, I, look, I honestly and and I think they'll do it up in the uh, top ten, top five. I think Miami might like Justin Herbert better than Tua. Uh, Let's give them Tua here, though, and and whatever. I mean, it, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, it, they're in the middle of a rebuild anyway, so you can sort of wait and see what's going on with him health wise. And uh, to be perfectly honest, if if the Dolphins end up flailing this year and and being near the top of the draft next year, they probably wouldn't mind either, and they can go take Trevor Lawrence or something. But I'd give them three first round quarterbacks in the last four drafts. Rosen would count as one. Now, to them, he was a second rounder, I guess. Yeah. Tua and then Trevor Lawrence that's yeah that's I don't know at this time remember this time last year the whole theme was tanking for Tua and while he's still going to go in the first round I don't think anybody would think he's the kind of prospect right now that a team would throw an entire season for that went away by about October last year so these things change Mm -hmm. that's why you probably want to be a little careful as an NFL team looking too far ahead to what next year's draft will hold yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with that. I I will say I think Trevor Lawrence is the uh, is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, uh, and I know we always have to say Andrew Luck uh, when we when we qualify that. But uh, let's give Miami Tua right here, even though my gut feeling is that they take Justin Herbert uh, in the top five in this draft, and I know Dolphins fans hate hearing that, but uh, 
just the way it goes. Uh, Las Vegas, the Raiders on the clock again here at 19 with their first pick. Uh, what did we give them? We gave them uh, C.D. Lamb, the Oklahoma receiver. Yep, so we probably look at defense at this point because I, I just think we'd look at defense. Are there any first-round running backs? Do you think the Wisconsin, the Wisconsin guy, do you think he's a first-round pick? I really like DeAndre Swift, the Georgia guy, uh-huh. um, and and I do really like uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the the LSU running back. I, I, look, I, I like Wisconsin guy too, Jonathan Taylor, but um, and I'm not I suggesting. Know. I don't know why I'm asking it now because Oakland yeah, already has Raiders. last year's first round pick. But it's just something. <laughs> it just entered my mind because we have so many wide receivers coming off the board with the Raiders and every, all these other teams. Um, I, I probably want to lean towards defense for Oakland, but or, or Las Vegas. How many times do you think we'll do that this year, Las Vegas? Uh, Forty thousand. Do you think it will happen more than it did with the Chargers? People still say San Diego. I don't. I think the Chargers will have. They'll still be the team that gets mixed up the most like that. I guess the thing is, people don't talk about the Chargers as much. We don't talk about the Chargers as much. The Raiders we talk about all the time because they got Gruden and they got crazy stuff going on. The, the, the Gruden-led Las Vegas Raiders, they added a ton of defensive guys in free agency this year, and they have some guys coming back last year. We went over this in, when we gave them their first pick, but uh, Malik Collins, a defensive tackle, Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton at linebacker, Demarius Randall, and then essentially Jonathan Abram, who missed all of last season minus week one with an injury at safety. So right up the middle of their defense, D-tackle, linebacker, safety, it's basically all new starters across the board, just about. And then they have some new cornerbacks outside if they want, most most notably Trayvon Mullen, who played in the second half of last season. They, they've got some flexibility here, Gary. They can, uh, they can probably afford to take one of the more talented defensive players available. Now, we did talk last time. They still need a pass rusher, I think, a pure edge-rushing force. They don't have that, but there aren't a lot of those guys in this draft in the first round anyway. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. We've talked about it over the series. Uh, now, their Eli Apple deal did fall through, and they haven't made a move to, uh, unless I missed something, they haven't made a move to bring in another veteran to sort of fill that yeah. uh, uh, that hole. So I don't know if they look at, again, I think it's a I, I think it's a interesting let's say group of sort of second tier cornerbacks here, and I think there are a couple guys who will sneak into round one. I think you'll see more corners than maybe we expect, but um, you know a guy like Jeff Gladney who who a little bit undersized, but you can play him inside, play him outside, or you know there are obviously a handful of guys who are just pure outside guys in this class. And they probably could go for the pure outside guy. They have LaMarcus Joyner as their primary slot guy. Nick Nelson has played the slot. My guess is they don't feel very good about him, though. So I'm not saying you don't go with the slot guy, but you're right. They do. They need it. And Nevin Lawson has slot experience as well. He's on the roster, former Lions. So they they do need a, another corner, and that's why they signed Apple, and it didn't fall. It fell through. So maybe you do give them the best corner left on the board right now. What's right. interesting also is, is Paul Gunther runs a very traditional zone-based scheme. He plays a lot of two-deep safeties out mm-hmm. of zone. And there are coaches in the league that – feel if if you're a cover two base team and Gunther does more than just cover two but two deep safeties you don't need to invest in cornerbacks a whole lot not if you're going to play zone with two deep safeties 
But Gunther's teams have always had quality corners. Back when he was was in Cincinnati, they did that. They held, had a bunch of first-round corners. And then last year's first year in Oakland, they took Trayvon Mullen in the second round. So Gunther, I'm guessing, really campaigns for cornerbacks and likes corners, even though he runs a scheme that not everybody thinks is worth investing in corners. Let's uh, let's go ahead. Let's give him uh, Christian Fulton, the LSU corner. I, I think he's a, a pure outside guy. And, and honestly... Uh, look, the the one concern you probably have with him is is getting beat over the top, and if you're going to play a lot of cover two, that becomes less of a concern there with Fulton. Uh, so Christian Fulton, LSU cornerback to the Raiders, that brings us back to Jacksonville again. They they need to amplify their four man pass rush. That you can never have enough firepower when you run the kind of scheme they run defensively, which is another zone based scheme. It's not as zone oriented quite as Oakland's or gosh, as Las Vegas is. But it's you're playing zone coverage. You got to get there with your four man rush, and I know that they have Taven Bryan, a first round pick, a couple years ago. Last year, Josh Allen lived up to his first round billing. This Yannick Ngakwe thing, Gary, it feels like it feels too similar to the Jalen Ramsey situation. Now that was an extreme scenario, and Ramsey maximized his leverage. I don't know if Ngakwe would do that, but. If I'm Jacksonville, I have to be drafting with the idea that we might not get to hold on to Ngakwe for much longer. And he might he might go through on his word and not show up this year. So I'm looking for an edge rusher, but we've already established there aren't a lot of great edge rushers. I mean, maybe there's a pass rushing defensive tackle that's worth a first-round pick. The other thing they are missing is at cornerback because they, Ramsey's gone and Bouye's gone now. They could really use a corner. They're better than people realize there with Melvin and Trey Herndon, but they could use a cornerback if there's one they love. All right. Uh, as far as the defensive line goes, I mean, look, uh, real shorthand, uh, Penn State guy, Yeter Grossmatos is, is probably a guy you're, uh, he's going to play the edge. I think he's much better sort of looping inside and some of these, uh, you know, tackle end games here. Uh, H.A. Epinesa is technician, not terribly explosive out of Iowa. You're going to play him at end, maybe you reduce him inside on uh, on passing downs. I, I think if you squint, you you sort of see some Cam Jordan-type uh, stuff with, with Epinesa, but, uh, you know, if, if people thought he was the next Cam Jordan, he, you know, would, would go very high in the draft. Uh, and Javon Kinlaw, who, who we talked about a little while ago with the Dallas pick, uh, he's still on the board here. So three different kinds of defensive linemen here, uh, and unfortunately, none of them, none of them really edge burners. <laughs> Cam, remember, Cam Jordan himself did not look like Cam Jordan until about the fourth year of his career. Yeah. He I, I, he looked like he was going to get bumped into defensive tackle. I asked him once if that was the case. He said, yeah, they were definitely trying to make me a nickel defensive tackle early in my career. And I can't remember what he said about why it didn't go through that way. It's great they didn't because he's a top three or four defensive end in the NFL now. But he's a great reminder that these guys will change once they get into the league as well. You're not necessarily drafting them for what they are right now. That's part of the reason it's hard to draft guys is you have to project forward. These guys are prospects. And Jordan's a reminder that you can get more explosive once you get into the NFL. So just something to keep in mind right there. Uh, Gross Matos is probably your highest ceiling guy here. Um, and like I said, he, he's a guy who's probably going to stay on the edge uh, no matter what you do. You know, what's also occurring to me is a lot of teams, it feels like, and maybe I'm just not being creative with these team needs things, but I think it's more along the lines of a lot of teams have similar needs this year. A lot of teams that need corners 
edge rushers, and there aren't very many edge rushers, and offensive linemen and wide receivers. Probably those are the four positions that everybody seems to need, which will be interesting to see if that means more trades or less trades in the draft. Could You might think, well, it would mean more trades because everyone's land rushing for the same players, but if you had the need, you're not going to trade the pick to someone else that has the same need as you, so it might mean less trades in this draft. It's also... Uh teams are a little bit worried about the trading with the, uh, you know, with the technology and the virtual draft. And, uh, you know, if, if you're already taking up your phone line with your dial up modem at home, it's very yeah, difficult to right. also get on the phone and, and make a deal here. So, um, I kind of want to give Jacksonville gross Matos here, just the, the high ceiling guy and, and roll the dice on him and, and we'll see okay. how it plays out. All right. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so... Because the American Express Platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my That's my, my dance, dance bro. <laughs> 
As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Uh, that brings us uh, to for the first time to the Philadelphia Eagles at pick 21. What do the Eagles need? Well, so that's great timing because they they totally counter the point that I just made. They're a team whose needs are not shared by many. I think they need a linebacker. Now, I would not be surprised if they uh, – every team says they like their players at this time of year, and they have Nathan Jerry at linebacker is one, and then uh, um, TJ Edwards last year – who's a second-year middle linebacker. He's a classic thumper, and he is not a high-pedigree guy. Neither of these guys are. But I would not be surprised if Philadelphia's telling the truth if they're saying, and I don't know if they're saying or not, but if if, the, if these guys say, no, we actually like the linebackers we have, I think, th- I think they'd be telling the truth there, even though it might sound like a smokescreen. Now, neither of those guys, though, are immensely talented. There are some talented linebackers in this draft. So for the sake of the exercise gear, I say we probably still do give them the linebacker. But Philly's current linebackers are better than people realize. All right. I uh, I really like Patrick Queen, the LSU linebacker. It's, it's the two first-round candidates here among linebackers. And then there's really a drop-off. And, I, you know, I, I think the rest of this class... Uh, as far as these stack linebackers go, I, I think you're talking about, you know, these are day three guys. Uh, I'm sure a couple of them get bumped up. But uh, you got Patrick Queen, who I think was really coming to his own last year. I mean, he is he'll stay on the field for three downs. Uh, uh, big time athlete. Kenneth Murray's the other guy. Kenneth Murray is a big time athlete. Uh, really, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think he's the kind of guy who when you put him out there. Uh, everyone's going to pick on him in coverage. Uh, they they kept things very simple in that Oklahoma scheme, and uh, I, I think he's going to have a rough transition. I, I love the upside, but you know, especially a team like the Eagles, uh, who is they're built to win right now. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people wouldn't have thought Patrick Queen. Uh, you know, last September would have been the guy who we're talking about as the most uh, sort of impact NFL ready linebacker out there, but I, I think that's definitely Queen. Okay, um, if if the Eagles, because Nathan Nathan, I think it's Jerry or Gary G E R R Y Nathan Gary, I believe it is. I called him Jerry, but um, whatever his name is, he can run better than he looks, better than people would realize. So Philadelphia likes to play dime and keep three safeties on the field. And I know Patrick Queen, from what I know of him, you see him as a three down backer. I think there are a lot of people who see him as a cover guy first, and maybe he could play the run, maybe not at the NFL. Do you, you know, how good do you think Patrick Queen would be in uh, passing situations in a dime package right away? Could he get on the field ahead of Gary? Ahead of Gary? Uh, it's tough. I mean, look, I, I would say yes. I think that's his strength. I, I, I think it's what you put on the field first. If you are comfortable with Gary as your, as your, as your sub package guy, though, I don't know if you're necessarily bumping him for a rookie at this point. Okay. Okay. 
Well, uh, I, I still say give them one of those linebackers. I'm, I'm fine with where we are there. Okay. Well, I Let's mean, get... I don't know. They, they do need a wide receiver badly, but I think there's receivers available in later rounds in this draft. There are. The, the guys, I mean, look, I, Henry Ruggs, I think, is, is absolutely perfect for them as, as a guy who, you know, if, if you're going to replace Deshaun Jackson, he's the fastest guy in the draft. Uh, on top of that, I, I think he can be molded into a much more complete receiver. But um, the other guys on the board, there's a lot of sort of gadgety guys. Uh, I think K.J. Hamler is probably the closest thing to Ruggs as far as a pure deep threat. But he's, you know, undersized guy, a little bit raw out of Penn State. I think he's a day two guy. And uh, T. Higgins is kind of, I don't you know, you, you could say there's some DeAndre Hopkins comparisons as a guy who didn't test great, a guy who's not a big-time athlete uh, coming out of Clemson as well. But, um, you know, big catch radius guy, just not a big separation guy. I don't know if he, he just brings sort of more of the more of the same that they have in Philadelphia right now. No, no if, they, if they are going to go wide receiver in the first round, it's going to be a guy who can run because they, they have had plenty of experience with these wide receivers who don't run super well. And it's at some point you just need to enough's enough. Let's just invest in the speed. We need the speed on the field. That's what's killed us lately. So if Ruggs is still on there, even though I think linebacker is a very legitimate need, it'd be hard for them to pass on Ruggs if he's sitting yeah. there. Yeah, I think they might even come up to get Henry Ruggs on draft night, but uh, he is already gone in our draft. He went eleven to the Jets, so right. uh, let's 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 go ahead. Let's give him Patrick Queen, the linebacker, and you know they they sort of. I, I know it's been a long time since they really addressed that linebacker need early, but uh, let's have him do it here. Patrick Queen, LSU linebacker to Philadelphia. That brings us to Minnesota, who will pick twice in a four pick span here. Well, if I'm Philadelphia, I am. I, I trade down with Minnesota, who's right behind me, because Minnesota glaringly needs a wide receiver after the Stephon Diggs trade, and Minnesota will believe that you, the Eagles, need the wide receiver because of what we just said. So I know we're not doing trades, but just that's you know this is it's ideal for Philadelphia to have two needs, and one of them is a need that the team drafting right behind you also needs the most and Rick Spielman the uh, the Vikings GM he has made trades before to move up into the first round so something to keep in mind there the Vikings they cannot go on the field now with what they have at whiteout they just don't have enough guys they don't have the talent Adam Thielen's a true number one after that it's a bunch of fringe type of guys Tajay Sharp might be a little more than that so they need a wide receiver Gary all right well, T. Higgins is, is the best one on the board at this point. Uh, after that, you're looking at some sort of, uh, you know, gadget guy. I mean, look, Debo Samuel was a gadget guy. He was very productive. Uh, I think Higgins is probably the guy as, as you know, if you're looking for a number two receiver to go with Thielen, I, I think Higgins makes the most sense. There you go. Which brings us to the New England Patriots at 23. Well, boy, there's, there's going to be a ton of action in this draft because there's another team whose biggest need is wide receiver. So the idea that these teams are all having the same needs this year, I think it does hold true. <sighs> New England's draft history is that they're going to go for quantity over quality a lot of the times because I think they understand. And they did this more in the second to fourth round than they do in the first round. But I think they understand that it, the draft's a guessing game to a large degree, no matter who you are, even if you are Bill Belichick. And his draft record is actually pretty average compared to some other guys. He's just an amazing coach with once he gets to players. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see them pass on the wide receiver for now and, and maybe take a couple in the middle of this draft and then look to replenish the front seven of their defense because they've lost quite a few guys up in their front seven. 
What's interesting about New England and their front seven approach is they're one of the few teams that truly does prioritize brains and brawn over speed and quickness. And brains and brawn can be found in the later rounds. It's probably part of the reason New England puts such an emphasis on it is you can get a better bang for your buck with some of your investments there. But I, I, if there's a good, strong defensive lineman, I imagine they would do that, especially at the nose tackle position, interior defensive line. Uh, you're probably looking at uh, at Kinlaw there again, who uh, I, I think you can make him do no shade here. I, I don't know if he really profiles as sort of a classic, you know, uh, Obviously, he's not a Danny Shelton type guy, but you know those those huge sort of uh, you know eat up some blocks type of dudes that the Patriots tend to get over the years. But he's certainly the the best talent left on our board. Uh, and the other guy is is Xavier McKinney, the the safety from Alabama, who we talked about a little while ago as sort of the do everything type of a type of guy who. Certainly, that's something that Belichick puts an emphasis on. I guess the question is, do they need that uh, with what they have at safety right now? I don't think they do. Maybe they feel like we can invest long-term there, but they just re-signed Devin McCourty. Patrick Chung still playing at a high enough level. Terrence Brooks was decent for them when he filled in for Chung at times last season. And then they signed one of our favorites, Adrian Phillips, in free agency. And he he really solves a do-everything mode because he can play linebacker or safety. So I would imagine they would take in, – you know, if they don't feel that Kinlaw is a true – two-gap player, though, that that would be a bit of an issue, but I would imagine they would take a defensive lineman up here. All right. I think it's Kinlaw and it's uh, Epinesa, the, the Iowa uh, sort of edge guy who, uh, who we talked about as definitely the next Cam Jordan. So Yeah. Um, well, keep in mind as well, in the sub-packages, New England's often going to bring a linebacker or some type of longer-bodied player off the edge. They're not yeah. going to draft an edge rusher. So Epinesa, from what I know of him, he, he seems like, tell me if I'm wrong, though, because you know, I haven't watched these guys on film. I'm just vaguely familiar. If he can play kind of that interior defensive end position where he's a four-tech, a five-tech, six-tech, where he's lining up directly over a tackle or over a tight end, and be an interior rusher and be a mechanically sound one, they would feel good about that kind of prospect in the first round as well. All right. Let's give him Epinesa. I, I, I think he makes more sense as a fit here for the Patriots for what they do schematically. Uh, so AJ Epinesa, the uh, defensive lineman from Iowa, goes to the Patriots, which brings us to the Saints. Saints don't have a lot of needs. They're probably the best roster in the NFC top to bottom, especially when you factor in both sides of the ball. So they can go into the best player available mode if they want. I would love to know if they view this draft, because it sounds like this will be Drew Brees' last season. Sean Payton kind of slipped up and said something along those lines. Now maybe, Maybe he was just, you know, I don't know if he meant to. Maybe it wasn't a big deal to him. But then you have also the news that Breeze is joining NBC whenever his career is over. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's Breeze's last season. So let's assume it, it is. If you're drafting for that, are you going as all-in as possible right now for a Super Bowl run with Breeze? Or are you trying to look ahead and build for the future? And the answer to that question might come down to how they feel about Taysom Hill. They really do think he is the next quarterback for them. I don't think there is close to enough evidence to suggest that a team could feel that way or not. But if any team could make a guess, you know, the Saints would have the most educated guess. 
So that's one idea. The other idea is is there's a quarterback left on our board here, isn't there? Isn't there? Isn't Tua still on the board yeah. technically? No, no. Justin Herbert's still. Justin on the board. Herbert's we on have, the board. We have Tua to the Dolphins at eighteen. Right? All right. Well, that's too bad because then we could have made this Tua six feet, oh, Breeze yeah. six feet. Now nah, there we go. Yeah. Even though they're wildly different styles of player from what it appears. Um, my sense, Gary, is that the Saints will look at this as a long term investment, even though. They have Breeze back, and you would think, man, maybe they do want to go all in right now. They have a pretty good roster that's set up for the future. Obviously, the quarterback's going to be a big part of that, whoever it is. But I, I would think they could afford to invest long-term at this spot, unless right. there's a sure thing somewhere. I mean, defensive line depth is the closest thing they have to an immediate need, and that's not at all an immediate need because the biggest reason it's their need is they have guys – coming up for new contracts next year, Trey yeah. Hendrickson and, and Sheldon Rankin. So, uh, you know, this is probably a best player available type of thing. Yeah, that's uh, – and, and look, outside of Herbert, uh, I, I think the best guys left on the board at this point, uh, we have uh, Xavier McKinney, the Alabama guy. I would think he kind of and, – and look, there's no such thing as having too many versatile guys in your defense, but I, I would think he'd sort of replicate what they already have in, in C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And, well, uh, and Malcolm Jenkins, who they just yeah. signed for big money for the next few years. Yep. So let's uh, let's give him Javon Kinlaw, who probably won't make it to 24. Uh, he could. He might. We'll see what happens on draft night. But uh, uh, probably the best player available here. And, and let's let's just be confident that Taysom Hill gives them a second future Hall of Fame quarterback on that roster Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. As, now, as everyone seems to think. Is the gap between Kinlaw and a pure pass rusher, an edge guy, is it, which I know we've already said a hundred times there aren't a lot of edge guys here, is the gap enormous? Because if it is, I'm fine with Kinlaw. But if the gap's somewhat similar, just something to – well, let's ask this. Can Kinlaw be a viable third-down pass rushing force inside? I think so. I, I think Kinlaw can be that. Um the the edge guy you're looking at some stand up guy I mean you know Zach Bond from Wisconsin uh, who you know I I don't know if I'd I, I don't know I don't know if I'd call him a pure sort of edge burner he can certainly blitz off the edge I you know he's not a guy who you're not going to put his hand in the dirt and and have him sort of work one on one certainly very fast very bendy uh, really good blitzer there and then Terrell Lewis who uh, you know bring brings probably not quite the same explosive excuse me explosiveness as Bond but uh, maybe a little more uh, of, a, of a sort of rounded skill set but on top of that he has he has a lot of durability concerns as far as just guys coming off the edge I I think you're I I think we've exhausted them for day one here uh, okay. I'll stop I, yeah. saying it. I get it. I get it. I'll stop saying it. Yeah. Kinlaw uh, makes sorry. sense. Ken, no, and they, look, it's not like the Saints are hurting there. I mean, they have Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan. So it's it's they're fine there. Um, as long as if you feel Kinlaw can rush the passer, and, that, and I think a lot of people do, then that's that's let's not overthink it. That that'd be the pick there. All right, so we're at 25. We got back-to-back repeats here. We have the Vikings on the board again. We just gave them a uh, wide receiver, T. Higgins, with their 22 pick. Who do they Who do they need now? Their defense needs some replenishing. I mean, I, I, I don't think it'd be bad if they took another wide receiver, to be honest with you. But if let's say that you know they, they're not going to do that. Let's let's see. They look to the other side of the ball. Their defense needs replenishing. They don't have. I like Odin Egbo quite a bit. At, at He played defensive tackle and end for them last year. I would imagine you want somebody to compete with him for playing time, though, and add some depth and dimension to the to the front line. 
So defensive linemen and preferably a defensive end, but you've already told me I can't. we can't keep saying that. There aren't defensive ends available. The other one is cornerbacks and a glaring one. They have one surefire starter right now, and that's Mike Hughes. Maybe Holton Hill's a starter. Maybe they need cornerbacks, and they need that pretty immediately. So I'd probably corner unless there's a defensive lineman that we can't believe is still sitting here. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's give him a, a AJ Terrell from Clemson here. Uh, big corner, something of a you know replacement for Xavier Rhodes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking for someone to match up the big guy, so uh, AJ Terrell, the Clemson corner there, and we are on Miami for a third and final time in the first Goodness. round. We gave them uh, we gave him Tua today earlier, and back in round one, should have said this last time, but we gave him an offensive tackle, Mackay Becton. Their defense needs help. Uh, by the way, Mike Zimmer doesn't like to play rookie cornerbacks a whole lot, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. That yeah. He doesn't have any other, other <laughs> yep. guys. He doesn't have any other guys on the roster. Um, Miami, we've, we've looked at their offense a couple of times. I, I thought, quite frankly, Gary, that their dying pass rush last year was was just putrid. And they don't they – don't, the same thing as New England in that they don't look for dynamic pass rushers in and of themselves, but they do need versatile, mechanically sound pass rushers. What these Patriot-type teams do really well is their pass rushers, they get five guys to threaten as a pass rush, and then those guys get one-on-one blocking, and they square up their blockers and give themselves a two-way go, and from there they execute a lot of stunts and twists. So it's a highly schemed pass rush that begins with balanced, fundamentally sound frontline players. Kyle Van Noy, they just signed. He's obviously a great example of this. But if there's a versatile type of frontline guy, that would do a lot for them. Because Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson, these defensive linemen they signed, those guys are really better. They're more base type of player. Neither one of these guys are, are going to be great pass rushers in and of themselves. And I don't know how well they would do rushing the passer out of a two-point stance the way that that we're talking about how Miami does it. So a versatile athletic linebacker pass rusher guy. Who's the guy uh, uh, that this, that played stand-up but was probably a stack backer in the NFL? I think it's the Wisconsin guy. Yeah, Zach Bond. I, I think yeah. Zach Bond's a really good fit for uh, for Miami. Yeah, I do too. I think that, that kind of player – is what is what they need. That's what that's the kind of player that they invest in. All right, Zach Bond, Wisconsin linebacker to Miami. That brings us uh, to Seattle. We got three more picks to go in this show. Seattle at twenty-seven, who always trades out, but we'll see. It, this would be a good year to trade down as well because their biggest needs that uh, that it's, I can't believe how many teams need pass rushers in a draft that doesn't have a lot of pass rushers. Seattle's on the list of teams, so that'd be all the reason in the world for them to trade down. They need an offensive lineman too, though, and they need one probably here and right now because I don't think, you know, right tackle, it's, it's either Cedric Obwehi or Brandon Shell is the likely starter, and I think Shell would win that camp battle pretty soundly. They could use more athleticism at that position, though. Or interior line, too, if there's a guard that they can yeah. feel okay about. Yeah, uh, the guard class isn't great. I, I think when you're looking at the guards, you're talking about some of the sort of, uh, you know, fringe tackle guard type guys. Robert Hunt from Louisiana is probably your uh, top guard prospect. John Simpson from Clemson is uh, is pretty good, too. I, I don't know if either of those guys gets into round one. Uh, the tackles here, Isaiah Wilson, who's a, just a massive right tackle, a guy who uh, probably needs... I, I don't know how much he's going to help you in 2020. I mean, 
but at this point, you're looking at the offensive line. I mean, Ezra Cleveland, I guess, if, you, if you're if you satisfied with, with some of the health stuff with him, uh, he might be the closest thing to a plug-and-play type of guy on the board at this point, and I do think he's a fringe uh, round one, round two guy who probably gets pushed up into round one. But uh, it's probably Cleveland or Isaiah Wilson, who, who's probably the the higher ceiling guy and, and the the better natural talent. But uh, I, I think he's going to, you know, I, it might be a rocky 2020 season for, for Isaiah Wilson. Well, one thing about Seattle, even though they have been contenders every year for the last seven years, most mostly every year, they are often willing to draft and hold guys and bring them on the next year and develop them a little bit slower. They don't plug and play rookies very often. So if I, I, I think they'll take the long view on this just because that's what GM John Schneider and head coach Pete Carroll have done before. All right, let's give him Isaiah Wilson. I, I like Isaiah Wilson. Uh, like I said, don't judge him based on 2020, but uh, um, really, uh, I mean, he's he's just massive. I think he went back to school. You might be talking about him as a, as, as a top 10 pick in the 2021 draft, but uh, let's go on to Baltimore at 28. Losing Marshall Yonda to retirement, that hurts. That He was still a high level. I, I voted him first team all pro last year, and I would put my vote over the top was I reached out to a few teams that had played against Baltimore and I asked them hey who do who do you like you know who who did you dislike playing who gave you more trouble Yonda or Zach Martin who thought who do you think was better and the return on that question was Yonda and some of those mm-hmm. some one of the coach went to his defensive line room and a bunch of linemen were all sitting in there at once or so he asked the whole group or a couple of those guys and they said unequivocally Yonda was the better guard between him and Zach Martin. And I think we all agree Zach Martin's is about as good as they come. So the Ravens have lost an elite guard and a run-heavy scheme for them. Ben Powers was their fourth-round pick a year ago. Maybe they feel good about that. Matt Skura at center, Bradley Bozeman at left guard. Let's just look at the collection of players. That's not an athletic interior offensive line. That's a decent one. That's an overachieving one. But they need an offensive lineman inside. They need some talent there. And if they don't feel that there's that kind of guy available, then the other obvious need is at linebacker. They they simply don't have any on the roster. It's LJ Fort, who's actually a pretty good player, but he's your he's your number two or certainly number three, number two type of linebacker. That's who they have. Chris Board at linebacker, undrafted third-year guy. They don't feel super confident in him. That's why Fort is here in part. So linebacker or guard, whichever is the best. Uh, Kenneth Murray is is, is certainly the high ceiling guy uh, I'm looking at here on our draft board, the Oklahoma linebacker. I, 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 I don't know how comfortable I am plugging him into uh, a Ravens defense where he might be asked to do a lot. Uh I think Robert Hunt, the guy I just mentioned, is sort of a you know tackle prospect, but a lot of people think he kicks inside to guard. I think he makes some sense here on the offensive line. I I think he's a fringe day one guy. Um, probably should have probably should have pushed for him harder on the Seattle pick, but it's the way it goes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I would say Robert Hunt as sort of the uh, more interesting pick that fills the need. Kenneth Murray, uh, I don't know. I I just I'm just I'm not crazy about Murray in that Ravens defense and maybe I'm wrong but well um, what what that Ravens defense asks guys to do 
for one, it's a lot. There's some complex stuff with the pass rush at times, but really the challenge is they play a matchup zone coverage there in Baltimore a lot. So they start out in zone and it becomes man to man. That's basically how matchup zone works. You're in zone, somebody runs into your zone, you become man to man against that somebody. Where Baltimore's different is. They play zone, somebody runs into my zone, I'm in man-to-man, but a little bit later in the zone, I'm going to pass him off. I'm going to become a zone defender again. So you really, it's a lot of read and reacting and passing off guys to other guys that does put a big burden on uh, on some of your talent in the middle of the field, especially linebackers and safeties. So I hear what you're saying there. Now, the, the flip side, though, is Baltimore last year, they got so good at cornerback that they just said, forget it. Let's just play straight man-to-man. We have Nobody can get open against our guys. Marcus Peters is playing at an all-pro level. Marlon Humphreys is outstanding. Jimmy Smith can still play. That's a great trio right there, and we have safeties that we feel okay about in coverage. So if they're going to play just straight man-to-man, then they could plug in a rookie because that's that's a simple enough scheme. So I hear what you're saying. Murray's pretty talented, though, isn't he, Gary? I mean, he's he got yeah. – yeah. It's hard to pass up talent when you have a glaring need as, as bad as the need is at linebacker, and that guy, that talented guy, plays that position. All right. You banged the table for Kenneth Murray. I guess I did, yeah. Line, linebacker Oklahoma. We'll, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll it, see in January. You know, the other thing, they really like their linebacker coach, Mike McDonald, there in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And McDonald last year had about one guy on the field a lot of the time because the Ravens play so much dime coverage. I mean, the Ravens play more dime. I don't know if they play the most, but they, I mean, they, they played a ton of dime. So six defensive backs, one linebacker whoever's playing linebacker is going to get a lot of one-on-one attention for Mike McDonald linebacker coach because of how it went last year. So I bet they would feel that they could coach Murray up pretty quickly. All right, let's do it. Kenneth Murray, Oklahoma linebacker to the Ravens and the final pick of our third show of the series, Tennessee Titans at 29. This one's easy. This is this is the surface level stuff. They lost a right tackle in free agency, Jack Conklin, so they need a new Jack Conklin. Dennis Kelly it can be a decent enough starter, but you probably want him as your swing tackle. So now you're looking for a right tackle. Or the other one is they don't have a, a slot corner now because they haven't re-signed Logan Bryan. And I, I still don't understand why Bryan is sitting out there unsigned. That boggles the mind. I think he's a, a big-time high-quality starter who will change the face of a defense depending on who he signs with. He can do a lot of things. They've lost that guy. So best available between right tackle or slot. And if, if you don't think there's anyone at all worthy of that, then uh, for, as far as being a first-round pick, then say something. I guess we can look further here. But it's those two positions. All right. Uh, I do like Jeff Gladney, the, the TCU guy. Uh, I do think there's a couple of cornerbacks they they can snag in round two that sort of fit that mold of, of playing inside outside uh let's give him uh let's give him Ezra Cleveland the the Boise State guy uh well Robert Hunt is is pretty intriguing there for their offense but um let's just go by the board here let's give him Ezra Cleveland uh Boise State offensive tackle hometown guy for you Andy so yeah, that's true. That's what I, was funny to say. I had never heard of him until we started this draft process before. <laughs> well, that uh, that wraps up show number three. Here we have nine picks, eight teams to go on the uh, final part next week. Uh, exciting stuff, Andy. 
Once again, we uh, we thank you for joining us, and uh, I feel this is just goodbye for now. All right. Thanks, Gary. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is me, Gary Gramling. Special thanks once again to Andy Benoit for joining me for this one. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, wherever else you listen to podcasts. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 